Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cross Arrow Podcast. Today is episode number 59 and we are joined by Theo. Um, hello, hello, Theo. Hello. How are you? Yes, I'm very good. Good. Very good. good. Thank you. Um, Theo has been with us now um, around, it was probably around just after lockdown. Just September. Before, yeah, yeah, September. Yeah, yeah, the beginning of yeah. September was my first class. Um, and we was, that was, we was outside, yeah? Uh, no, we no, were just, no, we were back inside. Back inside. We were back inside. I think lock, lockdown finished around beginning of August, but it yeah. took me a couple of weeks to yeah, yeah. to yeah. kind of be convinced that this is the place to come to. Um, the first question I always ask everyone is, what brought you to CrossFit Harrow? Right. Well, what brought me to CrossFit first was uh, basically my one of the influences was my line manager at work, who's a CrossFit judge. Okay. So a big, big advocate of that. Also, as well, to my previous gym, which was Virgin over in Mill Hill, uh, I got a deal that I couldn't say no to in terms of uh, one-to-one training, which involved functional training, which was the first time I'd ever uh, experienced anything like this. And the results were were quite interesting. And then to hear that, plus what my manager at work was saying about CrossFit, it just seemed to all just add, add up. I needed something new. Things had got a little bit stale. In your own training and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just kind of like going through the motions and stuff like that. And when I did a bit of research, uh, it all seemed to just just fit in. Uh, just fit in. And the working with the people as well too has been so good, especially especially during the lockdown times yeah. as well too, where you're doing so much stuff on your own. You're going out for walks on your own. You can't go to this. You can't meet yeah. people here. So to be able to come in and train with uh, up to, I think at that stage it was up to ten people, was was great. Yeah. And also as well to be actually properly coached, um, which I, a lot of people don't really, they don't get or have never had before. And yes. Then, yeah. 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 Me included. Yeah. Me included. Yeah. It was the first time, and you know, I was wondering why I was getting pains in my knees doing deadlifts and stuff like that, and I realised very very quickly why. And how was that transition from going to you know you, you've been training a, a long time? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When how was it? Well, I'll go back to that question. But how how was the how was the transition from going into the stuff that you knew? How you done for so long to transition into something that was quite quite new? Oh wow, yeah, very much fish out of water. Uh, I have to say, my first class, I was absolutely, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> you can swear. Yeah, I was absolutely <laughs> crapping myself. I really was because I saw everybody here and I th- just thought, like, oh my god, you know, all these people are doing all this stuff because weightlifting in terms of like what I call classic weightlifting moves and things like that, I'd never done in my life before. And I just thought, what on earth am I doing here? And I figured, well, I've paid for the month, so I suppose I might as well just see out the <laughs> see month. Out. And that's it. Put it down to experience and stuff like that. And I was, I was like the, uh, like, like the boy being dropped off at reception, reception <laughs> yeah. class on his first day in primary school. Because you said there about experience. Not many people would uh, associate um, a uh, an older gentleman like yourself yeah. to yeah. be in the CrossFit environment. They would assume mm. that maybe it's not, it's not for you, or it's not shouldn't be done at that speed or intensity or whatever it might be yep. that their views on. But actually you've settled in very, very well. Oh, I love it. And love it. Um, what would you give, what what advice, let's say, or what would you say to fellow, uh, you know, people of similar age to be like, mm-hmm. it, it can be done. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, most definitely, yeah. Like obviously, yeah, there is the intimidation sort of factor when you go there first and things like that, because it is so much different. And yeah, yeah, there is, there is a, there is a generation gap as well too yeah, between probably, yeah. between myself and and quite a lot of others there. You know, my only regret is that uh, I wish this was around thirty years ago yeah. and stuff like that uh, would have been absolutely magnificent. And what did training look like for you thirty years ago? Very much your classical sort of movement, like your just your your bench press, your shoulder press. You know, your typical kind of gym stuff. movements yeah. that you would get at your normal gym chain, which I've been doing for probably 20, 25 years and things like that. You know, your lap pull down machines and stuff like that. Um, but functional training and very much like one exercise, one part. Yeah. Whereas here it's one exercise covering about four or five parts. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's a whole lot of stuff like condensed into one, but... Uh, covering everything, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's it's quite incredible. And um, obviously, you said your your line manager at work was was or still is a massive advocate. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Big so time, that was a big, big influence time. for you to, oh, yeah, to yeah, move yeah. over definitely. and try and get definitely, yeah. try. Yeah, and and as I say, the first class was was definitely fish out of water. But I remember the second time I I come here, which was probably the, 
the most difficult as well too because you've been here once you get the shock factor and you're thinking like <laughs> yeah. right that's it I'm out of here I'm not coming back here again this is too much for me but I dragged myself back in again and I don't know who it was now but I always remember I think within the first couple of minutes somebody else saying you know oh this this is only this is my third class here and somebody else chipped in and said you know this is only my second here and then suddenly that that to me broke the ice yeah. big time um, and it just didn't, didn't feel like it was just you kind of eyes no, on you. No, no, no. Suddenly I realised, actually, hang on a minute, there's other people that are in a similar sort of boat uh, to, to me in terms of uh, familiarity with with this environment as well too. And the other thing as well too that was very, very good was the fact that uh, like there are there are movements and motions that uh, I, just, I just couldn't do right from yeah. the start. But suddenly coaches broke it down and then suddenly I found things that I could do to yeah. start off everything like you know the yeah. the uh, pull-ups and stuff like that and, and slowly becoming more competent and yeah more comfortable. yeah exactly but you don't have to it's not a case of well you do you, i can't do a pull-up so therefore okay we're well you can't do it so no we break it down we do ring rows and stuff like that suddenly i found hang on a minute you know yeah i yeah. can do this and that sort of builds up and up and it, it gives you the nice the confidence and with your training experience you probably kind of acknowledge that more in the sense of like i don't have to do you know i'm not i'm not 18 mm. i'm not 20 you know I, yeah. I can take things that might and learn progressively whilst you know a lot of yeah. people look on the outside and go i have to do everything right now i've got to learn right now mm-hmm. i've got mm-hmm. to do it. why am i not getting the best out of training it's like well actually let's scale back and yeah, and, and, yeah. Find it and also way. as well too, it's probably like the way the way I am as well too. I get I guess uh, I get upset if I can't do everything perfectly. <laughs> I get I get upset and then I beat myself up and etc etc etc. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that sort of thing. But you know, I have like through my through my training over the years, there there are areas I have strengths in, but it was just finding those areas and the gymnastics side of CrossFit is something that very much is 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 new, but. It, it'll it'll come in in my own way yeah in my own way like i'm not going to be i'm not going to be going to the next olympics or or anything like that you know max whitlock and uh oh what's the other guy um uh lewis um Lewis Smith, Max. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they've, they've got nothing to worry about. You know, I'm yeah. not going to be. I'm not going to be, be chasing their tail. No, no, I'm not going to be on Team GB or Team <laughs> Ireland or whatever, whatever country I go for. Um, what was what was you know like growing up and sports at school? What was that like for you? Were you, were you my growing? savior? My yeah. savior, really. Um, you know, I'll go back to. Obviously, I was born in Dublin and raised in Dublin uh, throughout the throughout the seventies and uh, and the eighties. Obviously, an interesting time in, yeah, for Ireland as well yeah. too, because we had the troubles in Northern Ireland right throughout that. Didn't affect me too much in Dublin. We had a few incidents, uh, but not not overall nothing near what it was like cross border. But you had a hard border, you had a military border, and everything like that. Everything and, was quite was it quite regimented and. Uh, yeah, well, my my parents were in the military as well too. Okay. My my father was in the army, and my mum was very much a military uh, wife. So everything was precision. You know, I knew I knew the phonetic alphabet and the twenty four hour clock. Probably as soon as I could talk, literally. I still don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to find when I was going to primary school, I had the phonetic alphabet and I had the 24-hour clock uh, already. And then everything Installed was very ingrained. In, yeah. so tea was at six o'clock. It was at the table. The TV was switched off and stuff like that. And we, Very traditional. We, oh, yeah, yeah, very much so. But very disciplined as well, yeah. too. Um, and yeah, you, you did not dare step out of line. So sport was your saviour to... Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get onto that now in a second, actually. Uh, but... Uh, it was really when I went to secondary school now that things kind of changed for me and my relationship with my parents as well too okay. because there they sent me to boarding school they thought that was the best for me I you obviously had no decision on that no I didn't no I was just told you're going and that's it and that was very 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 difficult I found that incredibly hard and what age, what age was that was uh, that? I was 11 11 you know that was incredibly hard to away be. from your friends, away from family, yep, away, yep, from, away from every everything and everyone, and also as well too. I was uh, I was very small at that time. Uh, I was a late grower, and because I wasn't happy and comfortable in that environment, I was very shy. I was very quiet, and put all those together, and I got I got picked on and bullied a lot right throughout school. And that that was in that even in boarding school that, that yeah yeah you know. yeah oh god it was awful it was absolutely awful now it really was bad was the boarding school run by no no, no it wasn't run by uh, church no, no no it wasn't run by the church no one thing it was it, it actually was a co-educational boarding school which in Ireland at that time was actually very very rare oh was okay 
Yeah, that was very, very rare. Uh, and, and how long were you in the school, in boarding school? Five, uh, five years? No, seven. Seven? Yeah, yeah. So I, all the way I, up to 18? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. All the way through there. So uh, because I was having such difficulties and things like that, and also things like mental health, were yeah. never, mental health was just get on with it. Mm. And what, what's your problem? Just get on with it. That's what mental health was. It yeah, didn't exist in some... No, no, yeah, no yeah. provision for it whatsoever. Was that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm not too sure, uh, you know, because there were times where, you know, I really just felt that the best place for me was away from here in, in, a, in a kind of a yeah. harrowing way. Okay. Uh, but because nobody knew anything about mental health or anything like that, it probably was just, ignorance probably was maybe slightly bliss. Mm-hmm. Um, but to get back to sports, that is where I found my, my escape because my uh, PE teacher was actually part of the Irish um, athletics team. And this he, was this was all at boarding school. No? Yes, okay, yeah, yeah, He was he was actually the javelin coach for the Irish uh, for the Irish track and field team. So out of sympathy, he took me to some of the sessions and things like that, and I got involved with that. I got involved in running uh, because we lived near the school was not far from a big pine forest. He got me involved in this uh, new sport from Scandinavia, which was called orienteering, which oh. it was back then. Yeah. And that to me was an escape because I was out of school, I was out of the environment, I was away, I was on my own. Nobody could bully me, nobody could harm me. And you kind I, of shone in your own way. And yeah, through yeah, sport. yeah. And I, I just, I grasped that big time. And I spent as much time as I could doing sport outside of uh, school. How big, how big was sport back in, like, in it was, it was big. It was actually quite, well, there was, there was a change of headmasters when I was in first, in, uh, the equivalent of first year in secondary school. Okay. And we were actually lucky to get a, a headmaster who was a, um, he was an Irish hockey coach and his wife was an ex-Irish hockey international. And they valued sport as much as uh, Edu- academic Edu- yeah. because they, they believe that through sport you can, you can achieve uh, academically as well too. And that sport was such a big part of, uh, of, of, the, of the school life. And I was lucky as well, too, in that it was a private school as well. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, the sports facilities were actually really good. But these two transformed everything. And we got, we got state-of-the-art facilities at that time in Ireland, um, you know, especially indoor facilities. We had a brand new sports centre built in 1980, wow. which was completely yeah. new. Yeah, yeah. And things like that, to have like indoor nets for cricket and uh, uh, badminton courts, basketball courts. Did you pursue sport? Like, is I did actually. Try, try yeah. Go further with yeah. It? What happened was after after the initial sort of exposure to sport, then uh, my history teacher was uh, an Irish cricket international, and again he kind of took me under his wing as well too. And during the summer term, we had a choice of cricket, tennis, or athletics, and uh, I was just completely barged out of tennis or athletics and told to basically go and f off and do do like ponces do and play cricket. And it was really bad, you know, it really was just looking back then now, it's just unbelievable. But anyway, I went along and he said, right, we want somebody to bowl. And what you do is you keep your arms straight. But I went through it there. So I said, right, like this. And he goes, do it again, do it again, do it again. And he was like, right, can you, right, you're in the side, you're in the under 12 side to play next week. And again, that's where I found. So you, you actually found out that you were pretty good at, at cricket. Yeah, and I went I went right through the right through the school system. I played for uh, I played for Leinster Schools, which wow. is my province. Uh, I was on the senior team when I was fifteen, uh, but also the other big thing he did was he brought me up to his uh, own cricket club up in the Phoenix Park in Dublin, which was a very successful club at that time as well. So I played club cricket from fifteen. Wow, and that. That again probably transformed me as well too. Because and that's where you put a lot of your energy. Your yeah, time. but also as well too. It, it it was it was just a much more welcoming. It was an adult environment, and it was just so much more welcoming. And given the repressive environment that I had at school, it was just it was the breath of fresh air yeah. I needed. And to be honest, it probably it probably is one of the reasons. You know, being brutally honest, probably all the reasons probably saved my life. You know, yeah. because I was I didn't realize I was spiraling into such depression and, and negativity your... from just constantly being just battered and bruised through 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 verbally and just mental harassment. And but did, did you was that you know did you bring that to your parents' attention? Did you bring that? Yeah, that, did yeah yeah yeah, yeah many times. Yeah. And I was just told you've got to stand up for yourself. Just get on with it. And that was just the way it was. Then. Yeah yeah you know it was, it was a bit like. Um, I think it was in one of the Back to the Future, very first Back to the Future um, films. I was like a little bit like George McFly. Okay. I, 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 I actually thing. haven't seen the film, no, no, no. <laughs> 
you know, everybody that. like putting putting the post-its on the back on your on your back and all that. Just, oh, okay, oh yeah. it's just 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 yeah. I look back at that; it's just like terrible. Uh, you know, I and I try I just I tried to be the not quite the nice guy, so but I just didn't know what to do. And yeah. what would you say to your younger if watching back or looking back? What would you say to your younger self now, going having gone through that? Uh, I suppose in a way it it, it obviously built mental toughness of yeah. some degree because obviously Made a bit I wouldn't, more resilient to... I wouldn't be here now if uh, if if that was the case um you know I've had other issues which I'll come on to later on as we go through kind of later in life uh, as well too but um, yeah I suppose it just resilience um and things like that but I knew I had the avenue of sport of sport and that's and that was was, what you you looked at the positives. You, yeah, 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 yeah. And then as the sport became more serious, as I, as I, as I started playing club cricket, and then I like I played on the seconds when I was fifteen. Then played played a friend, uh, friendly game for the for the seniors. Like I'm playing adult grade cricket at fifteen. At fifteen, which was, and I'm in a I'm in a dressing room full of adults here, and it's like I'm looking around thinking, what on earth is? And but I got treated exactly like an adult as well. And in what? It, in relation to like how how big cricket was as a sport then to like what was it like in comparison to like maybe football at the time? Uh, it was, was very it st- much it's very much a minority sport. Okay. Uh, back in Ireland then, like really in, in Ireland, the big sports were, Ga- were, were rugby, and, uh, rugby, Gaelic, yeah, Gaelic Gaelic games. That's like Gaelic football and hurling, yeah. uh, rugby and uh, and football. Yeah, cricket was very much a minority sport. It's a lot lot bigger now because obviously the exposure that the Irish team had in terms of like the Cricket World Cup in the early noughties and things like that. And also it's, it's now a professional game yeah. in Ireland now. So because they're, they're now a test match, they're now a test country yeah. and things like that. But it was very much a, a kind of a leftover from the colony, from the colonial days. And uh, that sort of thing. We had a few ma- ex-majors and things like that at the club and stuff like that. Because uh, so our, our, club, our club is actually one of the oldest. It's actually the oldest in the country. It was founded wow. in 1830. Okay, so it's a pretty big deal. Uh, that it was it was competitive within within the Leinster circuit. It was it was a very competitive grade, but we just didn't. You only get to like a kind of a certain level, and then it was only when you played teams from Northern Ireland okay. that it became uh, more competitive because they they had a probably higher standard, um, and also cricket as well too. It's an all Ireland sport, like like rugby. So of course, once I started playing senior level when I was regularly when I was seventeen, eighteen, it involved playing in Northern Ireland during the eighties, during the troubles, and of course you had all the associated security issues. And how um, was that? What did that did that have an impact on you? Not me personally, no, because uh, there was you just got used to the procedures. You got used to the fact the club would check with uh, British Army headquarters up in Lisbon. They, the army intelligence were in Lisbon. The club would, all the Dublin clubs would check with them on a Friday to make sure that that it's okay to play at the weekend. The odd game was postponed for intelligence reasons, but the actual going through the, all the security and things like that, it just became second nature, really, um, and that sort of stuff. There were a few incidents nearby. You got used to the security. Yes, we, we used to get an RUC escort some areas of Belfast because we were going through yeah. uh, like the Shankill or the Falls. And uh, things like that. And with, these were areas that you yeah. These shouldn't go. these were areas that it's okay if you go, depending which foot you kick with. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. if you kick with the left foot, you don't go there. If you kick with the if you kick with the right foot, you don't go there. Yeah. And things like that. Belfast was was very much uh, a place where you had to be really really streetwise. You know, there were places you could go, and there were places you definitely could not go. And as long as you adhere to that, it wasn't too bad. Uh, but I, I just I got used to it and uh, things like that you know we had a couple of near misses where places that we were staying in like Ballykelly for example we stayed in Ballykelly only only about a week or so before the uh, dropping well pub was bombed which was literally across the road from where we stayed wow and things like that so did that make you think like shit that a little bit not too much but I think uh, my dad was all right with it I know my mum wasn't happy at all my mum definitely wasn't happy with me traveling to Northern Ireland during those times but but she she kept stum uh, because she knew the value of it uh, for me as well too. Yeah. So uh, you know, and, and thank thank God we had no incidents during yeah. that time. But um, there was actually a very interesting doc, uh, documentary by, uh, by Brian O'Driscoll about the rugby and about the cross border participation in rugby, and that was very very relevant to me during that time because we had the exact same situation for, with cricket in the Irish team. You had people who were technically from who were actually from another country. 
playing for Ireland, yeah. you know, because it was an all-Ireland sport. And that caused a lot of controversy, a lot of uproar. No, not, no it didn't cause, no? Con- not, not within the team, no, because I, I played I played alongside guys uh, from the north and stuff like that and uh, shared a dressing room with them and things like that. And there was never any talk about the troubles or anything like that. It was always something that was very much on the sidelines for, for, the, for us playing. It was just a case we we are like the rugby guys. We, we are one. We are one team, and you know the rugby guys wear the green jersey. Whether or not they Over sing the national yeah. anthem is another thing. But uh, that was never politics was never brought into, into it the at sport. all. It was more from the outside. Yeah, yeah, sport. very much from the outside. You know, we, when we're playing up there, we would get we would get some comments from the sidelines and things like that uh, that were not always not always great. Uh, as well it too. It just kind of went over your head. Just yeah. Sometimes there might be a little bit of sledging out in the, as they call it, out in the middle as well too. But personally, I took sledging as a compliment because if they're sledging me, I'm obviously doing something right because yeah. I'm getting into their heads. Yes. Some people use that as a motivation. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't use it as a as a like. Oh my God, they've said terrible things about me and things like that. I'm thinking to myself, right. They're, they're obviously not concentrating on, yeah. on what they're doing. I'm obviously doing something right. I've got into their heads and take it from there. Wow. So, uh, but that, that was that. So sport. So, so, so finished with the with the boarding school at mm-hmm. eighteen. And yes, that's correct. Did yeah. you carry on sport for? I did. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, 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 I, I carried. I carried on that? for another two years. Like I played under 19s for Leinster again. My province uh, played at under 19 level. We won the All Ireland uh, under 19 championships twice. Wow. as well too which was great so great I actually, achievements yeah i actually played like one year more than most people would because i was i was very much underage i was only 17 when i played first most most people play one year at 18 and 18. that's it but i was lucky enough to get two uh goes at that must have been an amazing experience yes it was yeah yeah, yeah it was yeah, yeah it was great for, yeah oh it was great because everything was it was sponsored by esso the tournament so you had all expenses paid you stayed in lovely hotels and stuff like that and and i, I guess what, what, what you know being in boarding school you probably never got really uh exposed to apart from the cricket when you're mm. playing you never maybe had seen different parts of of you know traveling and different hotels and that kind of luxurious kind of style let's say yeah and and also and also as well too to be actually to be praised as well too yeah. uh you know i know i know it sounds sort of kind of trivial as well too but everything was like you know you could always do better you could always do better and that sort of thing you know there is there is yes whilst there is. at the same time you're doing very very well yeah but yeah. you could always do yeah. but actually for somebody to come around put the arm around the shoulder and say listen you did a really good job you played really well or even be able to you know the honor have the honor lead the team off the pitch and things like that it was like I was just shell shocked, and yeah. and people coming up to me and saying, "You know, well done," and actually getting Recognized. positive positive recognition and positive attention because I was only used to negative attention at that stage. So it was a big, big transformation mm. mentally, uh, and I really, really grasped it. Like I was up at that club literally all the time. Yeah, I couldn't get enough of it. Uh, earlier, you said that the relationship with your parents broke down, but I'm sure they at the time, you know moving up the ranks through cricket they've been very proud of the achievements that you have made yeah, yeah 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 it was never it was mentioned the odd time and things like that but i knew they were always very supportive you know i never felt that it was they were never unsupportive or telling me you shouldn't you can't do this you can't do that things like that but they they generally let me get on with this a lot of times they came up and watched the odd game and things like that but they very much saw it as my domain and they'll just keep keep away yeah, and that's you, it and yeah, maybe it was. It wasn't a bad thing as well too, because it gave me my sort of personal space, space yeah. as well too. So we kind of weren't in each other's hair, uh, so to speak, which is kind of something that happened. I think a little bit uh, a year or two later, when I was like nineteen, twenty, when it came around the time to actually now start looking for a job. I'm, I've left school. I've done a repeat year, so I can't really keep repeating my sixth form all the time. You can only get away with it. You can only play that once. card. You can only play that card once, <laughs> once or twice, and, and 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 get away with it without without people seeing through it. So career-wise, what what did did you know coming out of school? What you wanted to like? Did you no, know? No, 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 no. I don't. I know my father wanted me to go to uh, Trinity College, uh, which is kind of like the Oxford of, uh, okay. of, of of Dublin, and I don't think he was overly impressed when I said no way uh, I'm not interested because I knew people who went to university and spent three four years at university and still and were still unemployed and mm. I just didn't quite see the logic of doing so that, that. theme hasn't really changed because that still obviously happens now like people do yeah yeah, yeah 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 so that's yeah. that was been yeah, around like, for a long time. I would have gone I would have been interested <coughs> in university for the uh, sport and social life yeah definitely 
I know, I know a couple of people who went there just for that. You so know. that even that's still that even that's oh yeah. Big. yeah oh yeah yeah like student big. life was was very much like we we used to play we used to play Trinity College in the in the uh, leagues anyway in the cricket. So I knew I knew the place. The facilities were fabulous. It's a very very historic place. It's right in the city centre of Dublin. It's literally only down the road from where I grew up. And things like that. So um, yeah, like I, I had a good idea of, of of student life. It was attractive, I must admit. But um, chose the work. It chose, but, chose. but at the end of the day, it didn't put brass in pockets. Yeah, yeah. And so opted for the working route. Uh, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. But back then, in the you know, we're talking about AC four now, and Ireland was in a dreadful state economically at that time. So there was hardly any jobs. There was mass emigration of people of you know, 18 to the 1830 age group. The emigration levels were huge because there was just, people just saw no future. Um, I didn't, I didn't actually realize what was actually going to, if somebody told me two years later, you'd be living in London, I would have laughed them out of the room at that really? time. Oh yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. So you saw your future in, in, in Ireland? I do, I, yeah, I, I did at that time. I thought, right, I'll, I've just, I'll try and just do whatever I can. You know, I worked in, I worked in local bars. I worked, I did floor service in, in local pubs and things like that. I basically did anything. I was kind of a jack of, I was jack of all really, you know, God knows how many jobs, uh, nicks, nixers as we used to call them back then. You know, you'd, you'd, somebody would look for a painter. Can you paint? Uh, yeah, 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 sure, yeah, 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 whatever. It's a day's you work. Just find out as you went yeah, along. Yeah, it's a day's work. Yeah. Like uh, if, if I was to tell you the amount of jobs I went through at that stage, it would sound like I was probably had more jobs than Frank Spencer at that, st- <laughs> yeah. at that stage. But um, it was just something to keep money because I always felt that I had to do something. I couldn't stay at home because it would just explode between my parents and myself. And I always felt not that they were overbearing on me, but I just I just didn't want to. I, I felt I was letting them down. Yeah. And that sort of thing. And I, I wanted to stand on my own two feet and I wanted to earn my own money and have a proper job and everything like that. Even though they, the support was always there in terms of like, you know, I was never going to be kicked out of the house. But it always became that conversation, that awkward moment at tea when it's like, have you looked for any jobs recently? And I'm like, um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, but I you know I'd said and that sort of thing. And then it's you know it, it just it just gets to you, yeah, and that sort of stuff. So you moved over to London, yes. Um, and then so now what you're IT, yes, uh, Microsoft Infrastructure Engineer, yep. yep, yeah, yep. Um, how did you how did that come about? How, what, what? Right, okay. Well, the seed the seeds were planted actually in Ireland in my last year in Ireland in eight, uh, late eighty four through eighty five. I actually got a uh, work experience program, which is like the equivalent of the old YTS here. Okay. Where I was, I was placed in uh, in work for six months, and uh, the company would get paid to take me on. And uh, it was ICL computers, which are like I don't know, they're well, probably well defunct now, but they they were a British computer firm at that time. So that was my first exposure into IT, and then it just happened. Uh, and obviously, the technology is, was nowhere near to where it is now. Yeah, uh, yeah, like yeah, you look, you're, yeah, you look at you're, you're talking of like uh, machine machines the size of wardrobes yeah, that are now yeah, yeah. probably only half as powerful as what you have on your uh, mobile phone. <laughs> yeah, and, and things. Well, like they're that. probably mobile phones are probably more powerful now. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely, probably twice, two, three times the power of yeah. it. But the thing was, it was a foot in the door, and it was a little sense of pride as well too that you know I'm doing, I'm, I'm now doing this. Now and and it was just it was like that first sort of step into like I'm an adult now and I can I'm now doing my own things, I'm getting my own money. So suddenly you know those beers on a Friday tasted a bit better when they're out of your own pockets, <laughs> and and you can buy your mates around as well too, rather than going through the old, oh well you know I'm still unemployed, and that was a big stigma for me. All my mates were great, they were fabulous about it all. They always looked after me, never never left me out of anything. But I just felt embarrassed all the time about not being able to pay my way and things like that and uh, you know all those sort of things stuck but anyway that ICL was kind of the key in the the door but that was only going to last for six months and then I was back to square one but it would just happened was there not an opportunity then to stay on no there wasn't no no there wasn't unfortunately because uh, they were cutting back all the time and in fact I think a couple of years later they moved out of Ireland completely Um, but by chance uh, I was over my cousin lived I moved to London in 85. He worked in the Cavendish Hotel and it was his 21st. And this was a game changer for me. And my parents said, look, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pay for you to go over to London for that. And I thought, wow. And that was the first time I'd seen London. And I have to say, when I saw it, I thought, wow, 
you know, this is a place, this is a really? place for me. And was that, was that late? That was September, eight? that was September 85. 85 and yeah. I remember seeing, I got a copy of the Evening Standard. I look, I saw all the jobs there. I thought, oh my God, and then that's it. I just thought myself, you knew right, then that you I knew to. then this, this is, this is a place for me. I didn't quite expect it to turn out as quickly as it did or how it did, but I knew that, uh, I think the following year, I thought I've got to pursue this. Was that, that would have been quite a big deal for you. Obviously being at boarding school for seven years, yeah. the, the relationship with your parents and like leaving, leaving all of that to go mm-hmm. and pursue, um, a career or, yeah. or not knowing. Yeah. yeah I remember, and, and leaving the country and yeah. everything like that as well too. Uh, but yet, yet funny enough, like I look back on it now, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it now in a million years. Really? No. If you, if you asked me to move to another country now, I'd be like, get out of it. Yeah. But back then you're, you're, you're a bit more fearless, uh, as well too. Plus I didn't really have like now I've got, I've got family and stuff like that. So you've got obviously a lot more responsibilities. Yeah. I only had, I only had myself and that was it. But um, what happened was, it was just a chance meeting. Uh, my father met a friend of his who knew somebody in um, House of Fraser, which, uh, and Army and Navy were redoing their IT in uh, Victoria, and they were looking for two or three people. And I was told to contact this person here. I phoned him. He was quite surprised to hear I was in Ireland, and even more surprised when I told him I'll be there tomorrow for an interview, and arrived there Did you? as well yeah. too. Yeah, I, I took the boat overnight. Wow. Uh, that that evening, I called my brother-in-law. My parents were away on holidays, and they just said, you knew nothing about this at all. Uh, not, it wasn't like done deliberately; it was just the way it was. Yeah, yeah, just it was it's spontaneous. Just, just, like yeah, just, be, just yeah. things just happened so quickly. And anyway, my brother-in-law dropped us down to the uh, to the ferry at Dublin Port. I got the ferry to Liverpool. Got the train from Liverpool down to London. Met my got my interview at one o'clock and went through everything. There I was offered the job I there think, and then, yeah, yeah. yeah I, wow. I, I was. I think he still thought that you know, am I going to turn up next Monday? And I did, <laughs> and never looked back. Really, that was that was it. You know, that was a big. That was January of eighty six. So uh, in that one week, my parents come back from holidays, and I told them I've got a job and all that. But it's thing. in London. But I said, yeah. Uh, when my parents said, like, oh well, is it low? Is it low? Whereabouts in Dublin? And I went like, it's not Dublin. It's not Ireland. And yeah, <laughs> there was a bit of a gasp. How, how did that go down? Did that, that was that. Were they okay think, with it? With, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were yeah. fine with it. Yeah, they're fine with it. Like my mum was was obviously you know there were. There were there were cheers at Dunleary when because uh, this was like pre Ryanair so you couldn't afford to fly <laughs> and yeah. things like that uh, so you you got the boat and the train and yeah you know there were there were there were there were some tears and yeah and yeah obviously I I realised I think it was the night before the magnitude of all this when suddenly uh, it was announced that you know it was, I was out at a there was a rugby international that weekend and we went to a rugby club afterwards for 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 a uh, night. And then it was announced that, you know, we, everybody now, we, we wish Theo all the best in his new future in London. And that's, I think that's the first time that it really, really hit me. Like, my God, yeah, I am going. There's no way back now. Yeah. I, can't, I can't turn around and say, actually, nah, nah. And you were 18, were you 18 at the time? Uh, I was 20. 20. I was 20 okay. at, the, at, at that time. So a Very uh, big deal. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the first couple of weeks over here were... were mm, and where did you settle tough. when you came over here? Where, where? Uh, like most Irish county, like most Irish county Kilburn. <laughs> I was, it was in Kilburn. Yep, yeah. yep. I found my way. I was told about a uh, an Irish centre hostel in uh, Kilburn up uh, Quex Road. It was okay. not, not far from Abbey Road, actually. And yeah, I was there for four weeks. And but I had my own room. It was forty pound a week, all in. Because there was a lot, like a lot of Irish would go over, and oh, Kilburn yeah. was a very Irish. Um, oh, massive, massive, uh, massive, yeah, yeah, and obviously, yeah, you know, it was, it was again a little bit like kind of going to boarding school again because it's a whole new environment, mm. but it was a lot, obviously, a lot, lot more positive, yeah, and things like that. But uh, again, after those four weeks, then the game changer was uh, getting. Uh, there was some Australian, there was two Aussies and two Kiwi guys that I worked with, and they were looking for a, a roommate in a house so I went along with with them and then that was that was great they were fabulous they looked after us so well and uh and that's kind of just built up bit by bit by bit then I got a, another another house then after that and you know you get more settled yeah and things like that you get more in your feet then I'm starting to go out I'm um, I'm now then going on I can afford to go on lads holidays yeah. and things like that which I could never do before and, and what was it like for like the gym environment was that something that was still quite big were you still passionate about that or were you just I was you- I was yeah uh, it was 87 
when I moved to Slough and I didn't realise my landlord uh, was uh, very big into squash, massive, uh, big, big squash player. But he went to a he went to a gym in Collinbrook, not far from not far from Slough, and it, uh, just the subject of uh, sport came up, and we had a big. And he was like, "Oh wow, yeah, you know about this, this, and this." So I told him I was looking for a gym, and he was like, "Oh mate, come along with me," and that was it. And he brought me along and introduced me to people, and that was it. We we struck a deal. I was doing shift work at the time, so I could get an off peak membership, which was perfect. Uh, because I had days off during the week and stuff like that, uh, you know, I was doing, I was doing, uh, it was 24 hour, 24 seven sites. So we were working, I might just say, we were doing four on, four off. It was like four okay. days, four days off, four nights, four days off. Yeah. So I could go along during the daytimes off, off peak, which was perfect. And then that was the first time I really uh, was in the gym environment. And it was absolutely fantastic because, again, you, know, you hadn't played sport for a little while, really. No, I hadn't. No, no, I played. I played the odd, the odd match. Now I played back in back in Ireland, where we'd make an arrangement uh, for for sort of travel socially or. or uh, no, no, I played no, a couple of competitive. Yeah. I think there was two competitive games where they actually paid for me to. They actually paid my flight over. Wow! As well, too, there was two uh, two cup matches, two cup semi finals that we got into. Uh, that the, um, I believe, people. I don't know whether it's a team or the club, but anyway, I got a phone call on a Thursday to say, can you play at the weekend? And I was like, yeah. Sure. And I was told, right, you go to Heathrow Airport at, on Friday afternoon and given a, given a kind of a, a, a code word, so to say, to say the ticket desk. And I went along there to the Air Lingus ticket desk, oh, that, and they produced a ticket and that was it. And I found out that, yeah, they, the club had paid for me to uh, what they call the uh, executive jet. Wow. So that, that was quite a like, wow. Yeah, uh, sort of factor uh, with that. Amazing. But then after that, then I played just a couple of social games when I was over in Ireland or so, you know, they, they maybe a Taverners game or things like that. Um, but then the cricket gradually faded more and more out because I got involved in shift work and therefore couldn't couldn't really give the time to play the standard that I wanted to. Yeah, I did play briefly for Finchley uh, for a couple of months uh, as well, too, on recommendations of a couple of guys at the club who knew people up there. But again, you know, to play at the level that, not being arrogant, but to play at the level that I wanted to play yeah. at, demanded three days a week, probably three days a week nets and being available at the weekends. And I couldn't be available just, at the weekends. You, Doing four on, four off, I was only available probably two weekends out of five and things yeah. like that. So, you know, and it's not a, it's never going to be a professional gig like cricket is now. So yeah. what's the professional gig? Well, the professional gig is my job. Did, did, did you find that you, you know, you missed home? Were you going back? Were you- uh, I went back and forth quite a bit, I'd say, in the first kind of six, eight months. Yeah, I think after that, when I moved to Slough in 85, I think that was the first time I really sort of, yeah, started to sort of be more on my on my own two feet. Yeah, there was there was a bit there, but I always saw a positivity about London because the opportunities, the opportunities, and also a complete fresh start as well too. And and I think it probably did my relationship with my parents a lot of good as well too, um, and things like that. Having I, that gap. Yeah, yeah, and also, and also I became domesticated for the first time in my life. You know, I used, I used to put my clothes on the on the bedroom floor and wonder how come they came back on the hangers all ironed. <laughs> I had to learn how to iron clothes. It was like, oh my god, uh, <laughs> uh, cooking wasn't a problem because I had to. I fended for myself quite a bit anyway in the latter years in Ireland because of the cricket and my parents going away quite a bit at the weekends and I'd stay at home because of the of matches. So it wasn't too bad there. But the uh, yeah the laundry issues, the laundry bags used to come back. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. The laundry bags used to come back on me in the first sort of couple of months <laughs> of, of living in London. People looking at Dublin Airport going, oh, Ardless or Hollyhead or whatever, going like, going oh, home. bless him. He's only just moved there. Oh, bless him. He's come back with all his clean clothes now. Yeah, they see you coming a mile off knowing you're going back home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also as well, the, the environment I worked in the Army and Navy as well too was very good as well because I worked in the central buying office. So I was with like young people as well too. And young people have very different uh, backgrounds to myself as well too. And they they really took me on and a lot of people took me under their wing so that helped me settle down and also yeah. build up self-belief self-confidence and things yeah, like that yeah that. that was because obviously with regards to like boarding school and the issues that you had at school has that had an impact going into like your 30s your 40s and stuff had it had it affected you in in, in more ways than you thought yes yes probably and i really only discovered that recently um as well too because uh, sadly, of course, you know, as you get older, your parents get older and things like that. Um, I've, since 2005, it's been really, really tough. 
Uh, I lost my father in 2005, suddenly, uh, which was very hard to deal with. I didn't realize my mother was as ill as she was. Uh, my sister had multiple sclerosis from the late 80s and she was almost in a terminal state as well too. Um, and in 1996, my uh, my older brother was killed in a car crash when he was he was only 39 at the time. Wow! And that sort of thing, you know. So that was all, almost a lot to deal. Yeah, yeah. That was, it was yeah. My brother's death was 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 tough because that's only you know the guy's only 39 and he's here today, gone tomorrow. And and did you have a lot of time with him? like boarding school and stuff were you we still kind of connected? kind of like he, he followed my father into the army and was very much an army guy and okay. would have done and would have been and i think to be honest could well have been right up in the top brass had he um had he had he been able to carry on his career because he was very mm. much a soldier he was already an officer commanding of a barracks at, at that age which was very rare uh too and he was he was thought of very very highly by not only the top brass but also the people who worked under him as well too because he was firm he was firm but fair yeah and the relationship with your sister uh yeah probably a, a lot more um like my brother was very much an army type relationship but you knew <laughs> if you were in trouble he'd back you he'd back you 100 percent and that sort of thing and you know he would fight for you 100 percent, but he'd expect you to stand on your own two feet as yeah. well too yeah uh, my sister was obviously yeah more more, more a sort of brother brother sister uh, right so it was hard to see yeah, her a lot, a lot of happened in that space, hard so. to see her kind of dwindle dwindle away because ms is an awful it's an awful thing um you know i did i did my bit when i ran, I ran the dublin marathon in 2003 and donated all the uh, funds that's, to the ms amazing. society of ireland which was Incredible! I didn't realize how emotional it was going to be until the, the day of the presentation, when we had a we had an evening where everybody presented their checks, and I suddenly realized then, and I was just a bawling wreck. Was it was it a full marathon? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wow. But um, that's such an achievement. That's a massive achievement. Yeah, it was it was something that uh, when I worked at BNP Paribas in the from ninety nine to about oh four, there were a couple of guys there that were into running, and I just I just caught the bug. And I just thought, you know, this is, I always wanted to do something like a marathon because I thought it was so And I cool. guess that gave you a little bit more motivation mm. to, as to why you wanted yeah. to do it as well. Yeah, raise exactly. That money. Yeah. And then, and then just that stigma of actually going out and running. It's like, no, I don't really want to do this and that sort of thing. I'd rather be indoors and stuff like that. But then I got, you know, more confident and uh, obviously, yeah, my fitness, because uh, I was 38, 39 or so at that stage. And uh, yeah, I was, I was quite, I was quite aghast as uh, how, from literally coughing and spluttering after 100 yards on, on day one to a couple of weeks later, being able to do two, three miles. Uh, and that's and it just built up by that. Yeah. And it also as well, too, is a nice escape as well, too, from uh, from work. Because, again, I'm, I'm in an investment bank. It's quite a high pressure environment as well, too, there. And, yeah, it was a nice, nice escape and a great sense of achievement as well, too. To think yeah, that, and then I, it, I bet. It, it became addictive. It really yeah. became addictive. Cause suddenly, when I went when I ran ten miles, I wanted to run a half marathon. I did my first half marathon. Then I wanted to do the full. So me and a couple of other guys, we planned it out. We 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 put a plan in place over a year that we're going to do ten k's here. Then we're going to try and do a half marathon here. And you spread it out over those yeah. months. Yeah, and then obviously I chose Dublin because I knew that the a the a I'm familiar with the city. B the start and finish is literally within walking distance of my parents' house as well too. And a new hospitality would be uh, no problem as well too. <laughs> so uh, they all stayed at my parents' place, and uh, and they had a program in Ireland to gearing up for that, a training program okay. of ten k's and half marathons to lead you up through that. So we all did the ha did the half marathon in September and then the full marathon at the end of uh, October. Wow, and for such a good cause as well. Yeah, yeah, and then and then we did we did the same again in Amsterdam the following year. Really? Yeah, because it's wow. nice and flat, so we knew it was a safe bet. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Um, so th those years seem to be quite quite challenging uh, from from all that you know trauma. Let's say that, that yeah, there was there was a lot of positives um, in the, you know the things that mm. you achieved, but obviously, yeah. you know a lot of ne you know negatives too. How 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 have you dealt, or how did you deal with those at the time? Again, probably sport. Sport, yeah. Yeah, I think I think probably sport really, and the and that's why it's been your set. Like you said earlier, yeah, sport has been your saving. Yeah, yeah, you know, because uh, I got I got married in ninety one. As well, too. So obviously, when when my brother was killed in '96, you know, I had a I had a, I had a wife at that stage. Um, 
And actually not long after his funeral was when uh, she realised that, right, child child is on the way sort of thing, which is kind of like spooky given the, the nature of what happened there. But, you know, she was very supportive as well too. But now suddenly there's somebody else that I kind of feel responsible for as well too mm. at that stage um, as well. And then, yeah, Stephen was born in 97. And, uh, and yeah, like, you know, now, now I'm a father. And I've got a child too, and that's sort of, wow. Yeah, along with all the stuff that had happened. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. So, you know, he was eight, he was only eight years, he was eight years of age when my dad fell ill very quickly and having to deal with all that with him at that stage. So it, it meant me, I gave up my job for just over a year to be able to A, look after, because now there's a house in Dublin and I've got to look after. My mum's in no state to look after herself. If I didn't do what I did, she would have been probably dead within two, three months. And could I live with that? No, no. I had, I had, had to, to do make something. A conscious decision so yeah, I, I made the decision to take a sabbatical. I moved back to Ireland to look after my mum, get her care sorted out, and look after the. I had to do all the estate because my brother was gone, my sister was in uh, in a hospice. So there was only me, all this fell on my shoulders. a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. Yeah, all this fell on my shoulders in the space of uh, probably a couple of days, literally. Wow. Um, and things like that. So having to, I, I just haven't looking back now. Now I, I don't know. It was I don't know how I dealt with it. But you can't. You just you, you just do. You, you just, just do. You deal do. with it. You just it's it's like what what is the next step to keep me going? You don't you don't look as to where you are next week or into that. You look as what's the next what's the next thing I need to do to keep going? Is that what kept you going? Just the the ne- the next thing? What, what, what yeah, there was well, there was an element of that as well too. But also as well because that was probably my first experience of of what I describe as real like depression because I never got a chance to grieve after my father. And suddenly now I'm in the house that I grew up in. There's nobody there. Mm. There's a deafening silence and just, it's just so. And the trauma from school. And the trauma as well too. And that's I think where everything came together. And unfortunately, like many other people, then suddenly uh, guys like Ron Bacardi and Jack Daniels and other mates like that suddenly start knocking on your door and I embrace those. As well, because it was the only thing to to kind of numb the pain, and I went through a I went through a bad time there. Uh, my weight ballooned to crikey, I was over seventeen stone back then, and it was just ridiculous. But I, I, that's the first time I really experienced like real dependency on that, and also depression as well too. But thankfully, support I got from neighbours of ours in Dublin. Yeah, I was going to ask, me. did you feel there was a way out? Did you? At times I didn't, but thank God I had people close who, who realised what was going on and they were really good without actually patronising me and things like that, just, just you know, involving me in day-to-day life, you know, come around, come around and have tea with us and stuff like that. Mm. And that gave me like just the warmth, the warmth of uh, human, of friendliness, yeah. just genuine friendliness helped me and, you know, let's have a, have a chat about this or anything like that. And not necessarily a sense of purpose, but like just the, the fact that there was someone else there yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that helped enormously because, you know, I'm on my own. I'm, I am technically in another country, even though I am back in Ireland, but I am in another country. I'm away from my family. It was a big change. Was a yeah. Change. Yeah. Like my son didn't know what was going on either. He, all he knew was that his dad just disappeared and he comes back every now and again and that's it I, now I see him now I don't so of course obviously that kind of affected him affected too. him yeah. as well too yeah you know he's, he's 23 now and we we talk about this quite regularly and it's quite interesting to see his kind of take on, on, it, yeah. on all that at that time but I think the main thing is it's good that you talk about it oh yeah 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 definitely definitely yeah because also he's on the on the autistic spectrum as okay. well too he's kind of marginal in terms of he was always on the borderline between a statement of special needs and uh and that sort of stuff, which presented its own challenges mm. uh, as well to him, and also to to us as well too. Growing up, or at least raising a raising a child through that time, like the the early teenage years for him were just horrendous for us, yeah. because it's the awkwardness of that mixed up teenage years that we all go through, plus the uh, the bit of autism as well too, with the the very much black and white thinking. And no, no grey areas, and not understanding emotions, not understanding the consequence of of things he says. Yeah, and I think even as a as a um, as a child, like I, even if I go back to experiences, like I also forget that like my parents were also having their own issues within them. Like you know, there's mm. things that they would have suffered from in their childhood that might not have 
Oh yeah, they've been suffering. Yeah, like, you know, uh, we kind uh, of look at as they're just our parents, and that's it. There's that, but there's yeah. more to it. I had the same with my parents as well too. Like back the time when I was like sixteen, seventeen as well too. My dad was going through a tough time in the in the army because unfortunately he spoke his mind probably a few times more often than he should have, should've. and rubbed the top brass up the wrong way, and and in the end. He was actually he was he was posted like outside of Dublin, way way over uh, as a as a kind of a a shot across the bows mm. to toe the line, and he refused to. And then it started to get messy, and it was only later on that he sort of confided to us how yeah. how difficult it actually was. And I didn't you know I had no idea about this because I was in my own kind of yeah, bubble. Yeah, we've all got our own, and I guess like you think because they're your parents, they're supposed to be okay. Yeah. You know, you don't really ask. They yeah. don't really, maybe, you know, that's why I said earlier, I think it's good that you, you speak about it with your son because yeah, not and, many people do. And my son kind of went through the same thing when he was like 15, 16 as well too. He had no idea really what I was doing or every, all the sort of things behind the scenes that both uh, we were doing. Because, you know, at that stage as well too, sadly, me and my wife started not to get on that great. And those first cracks probably started to appear around that time through, I think, just probably just, really wear and tear from from uh, everything everything yeah. yeah yeah and that's the thing i'm doing shift work still as well too so there are times where i'm 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 a night so therefore i'm not there overnight i'm coming back sleeping getting up going to work at five o'clock or so in the evening and things like that for four or five days in a row and that just takes its toll on on everything yeah know, yeah and to be honest i wasn't really 100 percent sure actually how it was affecting everybody else as well too because as far as i'm concerned i'm just going to work um i'm I'm earning the money to pay the bills and keep yeah. put food on the table, et cetera, et cetera. And mm. you, again, you kind of get into your own little bubble as well too. Without and uh, kind of one thing led to a led to another, and you know now unfortunately we're in a situation where you know she's now moved back to America and has lived there for just over a year now. And, and that would have had its toll on you too, right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, the last last couple of years have been really, really difficult. Uh, before you even bring COVID into the equation. And, you know, this is where a facility like CrossFit has been such a, uh, a a lifeline to me because it has, A, it has the new form of training, which is great, but it also has the uh, the slight social element to it as well. I, I guess aside, a lot of people don't really, might not, not necessarily not need, but they don't see, they, they you know, not aware of that there is yeah, that. Yeah, it, it's, it's very much the community. Like it, you talk about CrossFit community and I, I, I get that big time yeah. because the CrossFit community has been very, very good to me. Uh, even if it's just like a quick, a quick hi, a quick, or a quick just smile, just to be in the company of other people uh, as well too. And especially now with the, with all the restrictions yeah. that we've had to endure over the last uh, over the last two years as well. Yeah, it's, it's definitely taken its toll on it. And I guess with someone in the circumstances you, you've been through, it would have you know really got to uh, men mentally. Yeah, yeah. Like I took time. I had to take time off work a couple of years ago when 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 it really started to get bad. You know, domestically at home and. Uh, yeah, you know that was that was the first time I I experienced like C, uh, CBT therapy, and through that a lot of things became very very apparent of how. But it made, it's made you grow as a person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, certainly understood how I understood where a lot of things go back to and things like that. How childhood experiences yeah, affect a, you and shape yeah. your behavior. As Massive well believer too. of that. Massive um, believer. You know, because I was yeah, I did actually. You know, I hate to say, but I actually did make plans to, to end it all. I had, I had, I had enough. I just felt it was, and that's how deep it was. That that's how deep it got. Yeah, I, I felt, I felt it was the best thing for me. It was the best. More importantly, I felt it was the best thing for my family that I wouldn't be in their hair anymore. Nobody could bother me. I'd be quite happy. And I remember I sat in a park in Collendale for about nearly two hours in another world, completely. And it was a very, very strange place. Uh, and there was no support for you to be. Well, the. There was support, but um, it was up to me to 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 reach out and that sort of thing. But again, I felt I had the world. I felt I had to deal with it myself, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I got I got to such a stage of desperation that I just saw this as the only option, and I was actually quite happy with it. I was pleased. I was peaceful. I had no regrets. I thought, you know, that's it. I've I've done my bit now, and I'm quite happy now. And uh, I think what stopped me was the feeling that I'd have to go through so much pain. By either throw myself on the tracks or whatever like that, because that's 
what I was thinking of doing. Yeah. Which That's, is, you know, look back to now, it's just quite scary. A very dark, dark place. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's, it's hard to kind of describe it, but it, it's, it's something more than just like, I'm, I'm not feeling great today. It's something way, way, it's way, way, way deeper than that. A series of events. Yes, yeah, I actually, uh, as I sat in that park, I felt invisible to other people. I really? Felt, yeah, I really felt invisible. I, I was, I was up in the clouds. Really, I was that time. I was almost, as the song goes, knocking on heaven's door. But uh, thankfully, uh, there was either no answer or I was told, "Sorry, no, come back again another day." But the 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 after effects of that were that I finally realized I have to admit I have a problem here and I have to seek help. I can't And that's it. one of the hardest things. It is, right? it is. Yep, that's exactly it. That's just what I was going to come to. That was a huge, a monumental step. I remember going into, uh, into the GPs and he was like, uh, uh, Mr. Cronholm. I go, yes. And he goes, how can I help you? And I literally just couldn't say a word. I'd like my mouth was dry. I was shaking like a leaf and I just couldn't get the words out that, uh, I have made plans to end my life. I feel, you know, just that feeling of like, I had to admit that I just couldn't cope anymore. Mm. I felt just, and say that, not say that I'm useless, but I need help here and things like that to, to a complete and utter stranger. It's um, one of the hardest things, like, you know. It was, uh, yeah, yeah. To get that out. And, and yeah, and that I have like a, a mental, and yeah, it goes back to again, college age where you're too like, oh, for God's sake, just get on with it, yeah. you know, and that type of, because that, that's, but that's now, obviously now, the, you know, without realizing the support's there, but you, you hadn't yeah. known how to get that out, to yeah. deliver that to, yeah. you know, um, yeah. and, but you did, you, you, yeah, you, you know, and I, I couldn't, I hardly, I think I got about one or two words out and then it just completely broke down, but that was the best thing. That was the best thing I ever did. And I walked out of that place probably, I think I only should have been there about 15 minutes. I think was the, was it, but luckily it was the last appointment of the day <laughs> and he stayed with me for nearly half an hour. And he signed me off work for a month and things like that. But also where I work now, like I work at TFL now and TFL still have a very, very strong occupational health because of tube drivers and the traumas yeah. that they uh, potentially can go through. So mental health is very, very, it's, it's taken very, very yeah. seriously there. So I was very, very fortunate that I was able to uh, go into the hands of occupational health with TFL. And that's something that you've been working with. Yeah, 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 very much so. Yeah, and they they were tremendous. Um, but I needed that time away. But I also realised that's when you know things were breaking up domestically is probably what pushed me yeah. into that point. But it's allowed you to have that growth to you know um, identify a few things for for yourself mm -hmm. and, and put you in a, in although through the hardest <clears throat> times of your life, but also bounce back into better positions. Yep, yep. And, and believe it or not, all throughout that, I still managed to be able to go to the gym probably once or twice a week, regardless of all that as well, too, going on. That was your downtime. That was your, your own yeah, time. It was, yeah, was yeah, definitely. Definitely, yeah. And uh, OK, last year I had to, with the breakup of my marriage last year, unfortunately, Ron, Ron Bacardi and a few other mates came back again. But again, because of the support I have at, at, at work, I realise, wow, this is getting beyond this is getting a bit serious. So I was able to reach out unashamedly and I spent about six weeks in uh, with the with the alcohol team. But again, that was a, a great thing as well. Yeah, too. The support network being so important to you. Yeah. Um, and originally, you know, it's funny because originally at the beginning, at the really beginning, you didn't have much of a support network, but no. now as things have gone no. on, that support And, and it's also fine. removing that stigma, my own personal removal yeah. of that stigma to say, look, hey, you know, I have a problem here, It's it's, but it's okay. You know, it's it's like the it's like the uh, the saying it's okay not to be okay, yeah, and yeah. that sort of thing. But that was not the way I grew up. It was it was it was Completely not it was not okay to be not. It was well, let's see what I don't know where it goes. But anyway, <laughs> but it was new. It was a new feeling. It was a new thought yeah. process. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was it, it was it was basically uh, just like get on with this, and that's it. Stiff upper lip, and uh, you know everybody goes through this and that mm. sort of thing. But uh, yeah. but now come out the the other end and. and yeah. You know, we're we're on the climb. We're, it's positive. It's yes, you know things yeah. are looking a lot better. Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, this 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 venture that I'm on at the moment has has, has played a, a a huge huge part in in all that. As uh, you know, and again, going right back to the very beginning. Yeah. Of how sport and activity and just uh, you know endorphins in general are yeah. probably what endorphins are what kept me going. And and what's the Theo? What's the plans for for you and fitness? Uh, what does what does the future look like with that now? 
You know, um, is there, are you enjoying, are you, there's a good balance between your work and, and training, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah, there is. Like, as I say, I'm not, I'm not going to be going to the next Olympics or anything like that. And, but I am finding, like, I'm doing stuff that I never thought I'd be able yeah. to do now. And, Which is uh, such an achievement. I yeah, it's and it's, it's quite funny because so my son, I think after about two months of coming here initially, like my, son, my son suddenly started to say like, whoa, dad, you've got legs, you've got shoulders, yeah. you've got arms. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, all I, all I do is just come along and do the classes and that's it. I never really sort of thought into that. So, you know, that, that was even... Even now, that was great to sort yeah. of get those. It's a very, it's a big boost in confidence too. Yeah, and yeah, and I noticed things like you know my clothes suddenly clothes that I hadn't been able to wear for years suddenly started to fit better and things. Like that. So the, the feel good factor I had there for myself were, has been has been huge, and uh, you know I just I just want to be able to con- continue on with that, having fun with it. Yeah, yeah, you know, and hopefully no more bloody lockdowns yeah, <laughs> again. No. That'll that'll uh, suddenly break the mold because I had about you know, three months of probably reasonably of getting started and getting up to a level. And then of course, lockdown. Now, now we're picking it back up again. Yeah. Now, okay, I've got a lot of work going on on my house at the moment, which will probably take me away for the next couple of weeks. But once that's all done, then it'll be hopefully full steam ahead without any more uh, lockdown issues and uh, and things like that to go deal back with. to Go back to getting those arms, legs, and shoulders back exactly. in uh, optimum, exactly. optimum yeah. condition. Yeah, like I'm never going to be a fan of uh, burpees over bars or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, then again, who is? Well, <laughs> and yeah, things, that's true. And things like that. But what I find is that I'm 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 putting myself into places that I didn't think I we I would be able to go. Mm. And also, you know, coaches push me into those areas. Yeah. that I probably would not have gone to myself. But when I go in there and experience it and come out the other side, it's like, wow, yeah, that was really good. It's another tick, another sense of achievement. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah very much the sense. Yeah, I feel a lot more sense of achievement now coming, coming here, doing what I'm doing here. Then when I, uh, then, you know, with, with all due respect to Virgin, than I was there. Like, yeah. obviously, uh, you know, the hot tub and the uh, sauna were nice and the steam room were <laughs> yeah. nice. There you go, hint, hint. <laughs> one, one day, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. If, if, if Lorenzo wins the Euro Millions now and has, his, has Lorenzo's CrossFit Palace. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> and and we'll things see. like that. Um, Theo, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you and, yeah. and finding out your yeah, story. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, my pleasure. It's been amazing. Um, guys, tune back next week for another episode.